We are live. We are at Summerfest and uh, getting ready as the School of Rock just took the stage. First act, Young Gravy coming up later on tonight here at the uh, Generac stage. And that's where we're broadcasting, the Generac Pavilion and the Bill Michaels Show for the next couple of hours. Going to give you a lot of uh, sound and or flavor. I'll tell you, and when I say flavor, I'm not kidding you. It is whatever is uh, cooking below me. I'm hungry now. I'm hungry. I have everything from the uh, the stuffed pretzels next to me to the giant lemonades. I've got Lumal Nadis. You've got to the Leinenkugel's canoe just off uh, a little to my right. And then behind me, you've got Wong's Walk and Charcoal Grill and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, it is a plethora of stuff. And I could be fat and drunk and stupid by the time the show ends today <laughs> rather than just stupid. <laughs> I could add fat and drunk to that. But what a good day, and thanks to uh, William Cummings, the VP of Cybersecurity in the last segment of the program, coming on with us for just a little bit, a Marine veteran, and uh, also uh, a guy that kind of, you know, put all this together with Generac and such, and for us to be here. And uh, thanks to Lee uh, Passbrig as well for helping us out. But uh, it's been great, and it's great to be back. It's great to be back, see so many familiar faces here at Summerfest. It's been like a, uh, a more than decade reunion in the making, and it's it's really good to see so many wonderful, wonderful faces. Thanks to Dina and uh, Leroy, and uh, I just saw Mike running around down there a little while ago, and Charlie's over there, so uh, it's great to see everybody, and I'm glad they're listening. I'm glad they're all hanging out with us, so there you go. Uh, Bryce Terang called up, and uh, Luis Urias, who just can't get it together, got to be optioned. And uh, the Brewers trying to make some moves to bolster themselves, try to figure out where they're at prior to the uh, All-Star break coming to – well, coming and going and then getting back into the thick of things before the end of the month, uh, end of July. And uh, August 1st is the trade deadline. And we talked about it a little bit earlier. If the Brewers are right there uh, within a couple of games or maybe a couple of game lead, uh, we kind of threw, threw it out there when we were getting into the discussion that – what happens if what happened last year happens again this year? You see the salary dump, and you really don't get a ton back, although, um, you know, Piamps and company have actually, you know, performed rather well at times in, in spot duty. But, you know, when you look at this, you think, okay, what's going to happen this year? Are they going to kind of throw some more chips to the middle of the table, or are they going to start pulling those salary chips off the table so they can start dumping some of this stuff? I can't imagine – that they're going to get rid of Corbin Burns unless you get an absolute haul for him, which is possible, which is possible. You're not going to trade, although I will say this, and uh, and Mark brought this up to me during the break uh, over in uh, via email. He said, hey, would you see any kind of a big trade if they sent Corbin Burns to Cincinnati and Dela Cruz came back? No. not You're not going to do anything to bolster your competition. You'd love to get Dela Cruz back. i do that in a heartbeat. They're not, they're not going to give up Dela Cruz. That's no way. No way. So just just an FYI, no, it's not going to happen. It's, it's wishful thinking because you would certainly like to take uh, a bat, a young, controllable talent like that, and then if you're going to give up pitching, yes, but it's a shame that Cincinnati's in the same division. But, no, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Our buddy Steve writes, hey, Bill, I'm going to show my age right now. For my first Summerfest was in 1981 or 82 when the main stage was on the north end of the grounds. I saw Juice Newton. Open for Eddie Rabbit. I love a rainy night, baby. <laughs> Juice Newton. Oh, wow. 
That's a blast from the past. Yeah, you, you and you're right. You're showing your age because that was before the uh, the Marcus at the time was built. Now the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. But uh, but yeah, boy, I, re- I I see. I wasn't here for that. I was here after the amphitheater was built back in '99. That's when I first came to town and started coming down to Summerfest. But uh, I agree, a lot of great acts. Um, this is from Jack. Jack says, hey, Bill, I do remember the Shania Twain concert. Could not believe that she was playing in the big backyard. What a great concert and what a great lady. Uh, I actually had a chance to get an autograph and a picture with her backstage after she was walking to her tour bus. Uh, and, you know, th- again, now the fences are up. You don't have as much easy access to some of these acts that come here as you may have had in the past. But, uh, but still, it's, it's, it's a very intimate experience down here it really is it's it's um i don't even know how to describe it it's like if you're a music fan okay and you're walking around here at nine o'clock on a friday or saturday night and you've got the big acts that are playing right and you know the amphitheater's cranking unless you have tickets to go over there but you're walking around and it's somewhat euphoric because if you're a music fan you're like wow Look at all the different genres, all the different stars, all the different up-and-comers or the, or, or the acts that are from years gone by that are still considered hot in some way, shape, or form. Walking, you just And you're just walking around. You're having a beer. You're going, oh, let's go check out this one. Oh, let's go check out that one. Really, it just it, it's a gem that's been here in the state of Wisconsin for a long time. Um, Art says, uh, hey, Bill, big fan of the show. Big fan of Summerfest. I just wish they wouldn't have split it up. Yeah, they split it up a couple of years ago right after COVID where they do three straight weekends in a row. I I understand it on both perspectives. I have friends that, one, work in the service industry. They can't make it on Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's their prime nights for making money and when most bars and restaurants and such need to be staffed. So they can't make Summerfest. It hurts their industry. And for those, like friends of mine that would come in from out of town, they'd show up on like a Monday – and then come and stay the entire week and all the way through the weekend. And they were buying hotel rooms and they were staying the entire time and spending money in downtown, not just at Summerfest. So I understand that aspect of it. However, as the Summerfest people put it, each weekend gives them a new opportunity to make things better. So when you come back and maybe something isn't working right, then they get to shut it down for three, four days. Then you come back and you can fix things. You can make it better. You can change signage. You can concentrate more on some of your sponsors and on personal experiences and such. So there's two sides to all of it. I understand both of them. I'm a fan of the festival myself, running it 10 straight days, but that's just me. Maybe it's just – I hate to use the term old school, but that's just me. I like it that way. Um, what else do we have here for you? Uh, this one's from Jason, who just said – it's more the same. You could have slid Owen Miller to second and called up Fredrickson. Uh, Atanasio, a cheap bastard. Um, although, you, you could have. You could have. Luis Urias uh, for Bryce Terang. Bryce Terang, you kind of figured, was going to get called up at some point. There was a lot of talk about seeing what he was going to do, and they're trying to get a good look at him before, again, they get to the All-Star break and shortly thereafter. And who knows? Now, here's a th- another thing to think about, Jason. And you are absolutely right, uh, uh, Ryan. Ryan says some of these guys are going to call up so you can get a quick look at them, and if they start hitting the baseball and playing extremely well, they could become trade bait also. Don't forget other teams are going to be looking at them. 100% correct. Not that you can't look at them in the minor league system and watch their numbers, but when, when you're putting them with a big league club, 
And if they can produce in a short period of time, 100% agree, Ryan, that then they can become trade bait. They, uh, they can gain somewhat value, a little bit of value, to instead of giving up two pieces, you're giving up one piece. Or instead of giving up three, you're only giving up two. 100% agree. Suddenly they, be, they become a little more visible, I guess is the best way to put it, and to big league teams when they're playing against big league teams. So that's true. That's true. Um, Rick says, what I find crazy is the fact that uh, the Cubs can be a plus 21 in point run differential and trail the Brewers and Reds who have major negatives in run differential. Right? You can also get, now where that number can be skewed is blowouts. You can get a blowout, two or three blowouts, where you win 10 to 2, 11 to 3, you know, or you have a great big one like uh, the Reds in, in Atlanta had. You know, they ended up putting a, up 10 and 11 runs apiece. And then again, it was 11 to 10 was the final. But you get a couple of those big blowouts, and all of a sudden you're looking at a 24-point positive in the run differential category, where just the opposite can happen. You can get a couple of big blowouts that you're on the receiving end of, as we've seen with the Brewers, and that will skew that number as well. You could be winning games 5-4, 6-3, 2-1, and all of a sudden you get blown out twice, and it's just two losses, but you get blown out twice, and suddenly your run differential's, you know, a negative 18. So you, you kind of understand what that number represents, but I agree with you. When you looked at the rest of Major League Baseball now, okay, look at the rest of Major League Baseball. The Atlanta Braves leading the East with a plus 117 run differential. Miami is flat zero. Positive nor negative, 334 score, 334 against. But they're 48 and 34. Every other team, the Phillies, the Mets, and the Nationals are on the negative side. You look at Arizona, plus 34. The Dodgers, plus 62. San Francisco, plus 42. The Padres, plus 19. Padres, their season's pretty much over. They're 10 and a half games back. Rockies are done. They're 16 and a half games back. You've got the Nationals and the Mets. Mets are sellers, 17 and a half games back. Their season's over. Hell, Philadelphia. Their season most likely over at 10 games back. Washington certainly done with 21 games back. That's why you look at the Cardinals and you think Cardinals have got to be sellers. They're nine and a half games back. That ain't happening. Same thing with a team like, look at Toronto. Toronto is 10 games back in the standings, but yet they're 45 and 37 plus 26. Hell, they'd be leading the uh, National League Central right now. They'd be leading the American League Central right now if they were in it. Hell, the Boston Red Sox are 15 games back in the division. 40 and 42 with a positive plus uh, six run differential. 40 and 42. They would be right now in third place in the National League Central. They would be winning or tied for the top spot in the American League Central. So it's, it's just bizarre. But every leader, every division leader, except for the Brewers and the Reds who are tied for the top spot in the Central, every division leader has a positive run differential. Just a little odd. Just a weird anomalies in the statistics 877-867-1670 give us a shout uh mark says uh, i'm glad to see urias is finally gone he was a cancer to this offense couldn't hit worth a damn every time he came up with runners in scoring position you might as well just close your eyes and hope for the best and i think that's what he was doing at the plate my first concert at Summerfest was pat benatar Pat Benatar, I remember seeing Pat Benatar here, too. Shadows of the Night, yeah. One of my favorite songs back in the day. 
That's back when uh, MTV actually had music videos back then. <laughs> Heartbreaker, the other one, right? Everybody knows that one. She had a lot of good hits. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step out. We're going to take a quick break. School of Rock is on the stage here at the Generac stage. Weather is beautiful. Sky eh, clouded up a little bit. Not blue anymore. A little cloudy. But then again, we're expecting the possibility of maybe a pop-up shower tonight. But for the most part, it's supposed to be a pretty beautiful night down here. A little bit of a breeze that's kicked up, which thank God it has because it was pretty hazy, hot, and humid down here for quite some time earlier today. But uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at the Sunset Grill. Now, look, if you can't make it down here to Summerfest, uh, if you want to go watch some fireworks uh, coming up, the Sunset Grill, that's the place to do it. Prospect Avenue out in Pewaukee, literally right there next to the water. I mean, from their bar to the water is about three feet. Right there with the boat docks. It's really a cool place. Sit outside on that uh, patio or on the deck. Or open up the garage doors on the inside. You can look out on the water. It's a great place, and the fireworks are going to be going off coming up on the 4th of July in Pewaukee Lake. Sunset Grill, Pewaukee Lake. Wonderful place. Stop in. Tell Heather, who's the GM over there, tell her we said hi. We got more of the Bill Michael Show. We are live from the Generac Power Bar here in the pavilion just off the Generac stage. We got more coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. May I take your order? I'd like nine windows, please. Of course. All our products are custom made just for you. I'm hoping they'll match my home. Of course they can. Have it your way. Excuse me? We're talking about windows, right? Yes, we customize any decor. Our design options are virtually limitless. Even more customized than your coffee. So, you're like my personal barista for windows and doors. Exactly. And you couldn't have picked a better time because if you customize your order by August 31st, you can bundle and save big. Good deal. That was easy. Thank you. Drive through. Pella's premium wood windows and patio doors feature distinguished craftsmanship and nearly endless possibilities. Bundle and save when you customize your order by August 31st at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Visit PellaWI.com. Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. We are uh, coming to you live from Summerfest. You hear the music in the background. And uh, what a day. What a fun day. It's been great. Got to say thanks to our friends, good friends down here. Have a stage down here. Pottawatomie Hotel Casino. And Pottawatomie so good with our motorcycle ride coming up on Sunday, September 3rd. Pottawatomie Hotel Casino, Milwaukee. Go to PaysBig.com. That is PaysBig.com. Again, PaysBig.com. And if you're looking for a, a hotel stay, if you're looking for a great place to go and get a steak, the Dream Dance Steakhouse is just awesome over there. If you want to play a little bingo, maybe sit in the sports book. Uh, they've got a renovated sports book, and they're getting ready to open a brand a new one coming up at the end of this year. A uh, lot of good stuff going on at Pottawatomie Hotel Casino in Milwaukee for sure. So good to have them on board as well. Um, if you want to hit us up, feel free to go ahead and do so. Chuck says, the issues you mentioned about the win-loss percentage and how the fourth-place team in one division would lead another team is why I would like to go back to two leagues and no divisions. The top six to seven teams from each league advance to the playoffs. Each team in each league plays each other an equal number of times. Then you would have a better representation of the best teams in the playoffs. I know it will never happen because it's all about the money. 
Um, it, it, you know what's funny, though, uh, Chuck, is it doesn't always happen this way. It doesn't always happen this way. It just, it's just kind of It's kind of a different year this year. And yeah, sometimes, but you know what? Here's the other thing. Take a team like Washington some years ago. They made it into the uh, as a wild card, and they go on to win a World Series. You know, it, the, the bottom of the rung can do it, but if you took just, say, the top teams right now, in uh, in each in, in say each uh, each league, right now uh, you'd have Tampa Bay, Texas, Baltimore, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Astros, and the Angels. All would be into the postseason, okay? If you took just the top teams, which would give no chance at all to Minnesota or Cleveland to even be in the postseason. But a team like that that gets in with a lower-end record still can have an opportunity to win a championship even though they don't have 56 wins like Tampa Bay. They have 16 less. Does that make them better or worse than Tampa Bay? No. But one thing we love in this country, we love the underdog. We root for Cinderella in the NCAA tournament. We can't stand Alabama and Ohio State, and I get all of that sentiment, so you're always hoping for whoever's playing against them seems to be a smaller team and or school. You're always rooting against the Yankees. Well, these smaller teams would have that opportunity to do so. So I get what you're saying. I, 100% I understand it. But you look right now and you'd say Atlanta, Miami, Arizona, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Phillies, that's six. The next two teams in would be the Brewers and the Reds if you took the top eight out of the National League. And the Brewers and Reds would be on the bottom of that rung. So a couple more wins by a few more teams. Say, you know, say you get a few more by the Padres, who are six games behind the Brewers and the Reds, get a few more by the Padres, then you wouldn't even have the Reds or the Brewers or Pittsburgh, anybody even sniffing the postseason. So I just like the fact that every now and then you give David a chance to beat Goliath, and when it works out, there's something extremely exciting and satisfying about it. Remember, go back. I mean, you don't need to look any further when you talk about a wild card championship than the Packers. Packers won in 2010, 2011. They went in as a wild card. They did it on the road, and people called it lucky. People said it was a magic carpet ride. People said that it was a fluke, that they only got hot, they weren't the better team. But the bottom line is, here in this state, we wouldn't trade the ring and that Lombardi trophy for one damn thing. Nobody likes second place or the, oh, by the way, we were the better team stuff, even though you lost. We see it all the time in basketball, the NCAA tournament. So on one hand, I get it. You're taking the best of the best, you're pitting them against one another. Here you go. You earned your way in. On the other hand, this way, you might get one of those lesser teams that actually get in and get healthy and lucky and hot all at the right time. So take the good with the bad, I guess. Take the good with the bad. Um, Jack says, uh, hey, Bill, uh, so, <laughs> Summerfest. My big Summerfest concert back in the day was Taylor Swift. I, when did Taylor Swift play here? 
Uh, I can't remember. Taylor Swift at Summerfest. I can't remember. Um, it had to be, you know. I mean, right now I think uh, they're like, like she's just like doing these massive tours. Um, where she's just it's like crazy. Um, two thousand and eight. Somebody said 2008 was when she was in at Summer. Really? That long ago? Taylor Swift is now this big after cranking it out, going back to 2008. She did play the Marcus back then, apparently, at least according to Jack. That was your big concert, 2008. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't know off the top of my head, but your big, first big concert at Summerfest, 2008. Um. Christy says, oh, my God, I was at that concert. What a wonderful concert. She played a glitter guitar that sparkled all over the stage and up into the ceiling of the Marcus. Uh, again, I'll take take your word for it. Uh, I know she's got a lot of bling. That's for damn sure. She's actually, because uh, my friends were telling me, she's in Cincinnati right now, and it's like swift mayhem. She plays tonight, and two shows, tonight and tomorrow. And the stage, this stadium tour she's on, the stage is like massive, massive stage. I think they said it's 18 semi-trucks for the staging. 18 semis for the staging and the equipment for the Taylor Swift tour. And there's tour, and there's two staging crews going around the country. So they'll tear this one down, but when she goes to the next one, that'll be already getting set up. Yeah. Uh, Rick says, back in the day, they used to hold concerts at County Stadium. They called it the World Series of Rock. Oh, there's there's a girl yelling, welcome, Summerfest. Kind of screaming it. Wearing all black, by the way, with goth makeup. <laughs> this is by, oh, yes. Uh, am I a Swifty? Cheddarball says, are you a Swifty? Uh, I, what, what, okay, let me ask you this. What is a Swifty? A fan? Have I listened to her music? Yeah. Do I like it? Yeah. Am I a Swifty where I'm going to go to a concert, pay the stupid prices, sit outside for merchandise in a chair and sleep overnight? Hell no. I didn't do it for Springsteen back in the day. I didn't do it for The Who. I'm not doing it for Taylor Swift. Never going to happen. Didn't do it. Oh, my God. Are they doing a turn up the radio? They are. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is a Swifty. He's, first of all, he can afford it. Second of all, it was in New York. And uh, third of all, that's, yeah. They are. I think it's turn up the radio. I'm liking it. <laughs> what is this? I, who's saying this? Autograph? I think it's autograph. I'm going with autograph. Liking it. Yeah, it's autograph. There you go. Okay, uh, bottom of the hour. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and get back into some of the Packers discussion. Got some emails off of the comments from a little bit earlier today that I want to get into. Again, we are down here live at Summerfest. It is so good to be back. And thanks to our staff at Summerfest. Thanks to our friends at Generac. And uh, specifically, thanks to the gang, Stephanie and Lee and everybody from Generac Marketing 
that put us down here on this stage and works with us in conjunction with Fisher House, Wisconsin. We can't even begin to say thank you enough. We got more of the Bill Michaels Show coming to you live from the big gig. We'll be back right after this. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michaels Show. We are live. We are down here at Summerfest on the Generac uh, Pavilion and just enjoying the day. Just enjoying it big time. And uh, thanks to Generac for having us down here. I know it's a little loud, which is fine. We've just been enjoying the day and enjoying the music, and it's been absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. So thanks to all of them and all of you for still listening to the program through everything because it's been. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Been a lot of fun down here today. Um, uh, if you want to chime in, you can feel free. You can hit us up over on uh, Facebook as well and track us down on uh, on Twitter at Bill underscore Michaels at Bill underscore Michaels. You can find us there. Um, this one is from Jack, who said, "I saw Roy Orbison. Really, Roy Orbison at Summerfest? Wow." Never knew he played here. Talking about some of the memories of Summerfest. Okay. Um, Zabe says, uh, hey, Bill, he said, I think the offensive line is important to the Green Bay Packers' success this year. But he said, let's be honest, it all begins and ends with Jordan Love. If Jordan Love doesn't have success right out of the shoot, the first three to five games are going to be brutal, and then the fans are going to want him replaced. And we're going to look at this as a dismal failure and a bad trade for Brian Gutekinds. While I believe you need an entire season to get seasoned in the NFL, the first five games for Jordan Love, which five of the first six are very, very winnable, would be bad. Um, yeah, Joan Jett yeah, playing in the background. Uh, yes, for those of you that are yelling. Um, I would agree that you that it's not that they need to get off to any kind of a crazy fast start. It has to look competent. And there's a difference between winning games and looking good. Uh, I mean, granted, you can look good and you can still lose games. The offense could play extremely well and the defense could be poor. I don't necessarily look at the record, but they are winnable. And the big thing is, does Jordan Love look, look secure? Does he look accurate? Does he look like he knows what he's doing? Like, can he get in and out of the huddle? You know, as the clock runs down, is he missing things? You know, are we seeing delay of game penalties and such? Seeing unnecessary timeouts? Are we looking at confusion where he's, you know, dropping back and not getting rid of the football, but here comes a blind rush or blitz off the edge that he just never saw coming? You know, not only is it just putting a pass into a tight window, but it's also then – being able to, to read what defenses are giving you. And the other question that becomes for Jordan Love, does he make the same mistake two, three, four, five times? Does he learn from that mistake? Is that mistake disguised in different ways? So I think you kind of look at all of that. But let's just say the offense looks like a well-oiled machine and they're scoring points. It's just the defense. So if they're not winning games and the defense is giving it away or special teams is bad and field goal kicking is bad, well, I'm not going to blame that on Jordan Love and say that he doesn't have that ability. Now, 
The other question is, does he get a come-from-behind win? Early on, does he need to bring the team back? Does he run a two-minute drill? Does he take them down the field? Do they score? Does he put them in field goal range? Or is it just a dismal failure of overthrows, underthrows, bad ball placement, and off the field he comes? And you're thinking, okay, I don't see a lot of hope here. I, I, I think when you look at what Jordan Love has to do, I think he not only has to have confidence, I think he has to instill confidence in you and I. Would you, would you agree with that? I, I think that's kind of what we're looking for out of Jordan Love. So, um, anyway, uh, that's just kind of my thought when it comes to Jordan Love and, and coming to – it's the eyeball test. And I keep going back to that. We can look at statistics and completion percentages and touchdowns and interceptions and, you know, on the run and how long he hangs under the football, quick release and all that kind of stuff. But – you and I are going to look at each other and go, yeah, he's got it. Or you're going to say, no, he doesn't. Or you're going to go, you know, I'm not totally sure yet. Let's see what the rest of the season brings, you know. So uh, just kind of throwing that out there. Uh, Shoehorn says, saw Tom Petty and Pearl Jam together. Aerosmith, Kiss, Stone Temple Pilots with Scott Whelan, Van Halen, and Dave, or with Dave. Uh, D- Dynamic Dave, Diamond Dave. There you go. All were awesome concerts. Kind of going through down, uh, kind of going through memory lane today, down memory lane today, with a lot of the Summerfest concerts that we have seen, the music that we've seen down here is it's our return. The Bill Michael Show has not been here since 2010, and it's great to be back. So I appreciate all of the, uh, all of the uh, the memories. Uh, Big Deuce says uh, saw Tom Petty there years ago, just before he had passed. Man, what a sad, uh, what a sad day to lose that voice. Uh, my friends and I came up from Chicago just to go see Tom Petty. Had a wonderful time, and the prices were so much cheaper than some of the mu- music festivals we have here in Chicago, which you got that right. Big Deuce, thanks for listening to us down in Chicago. Claire says, uh, I loved uh, Pat Benatar. I also love Stevie Nicks that I saw there years ago. Um, Anna says, uh, always loved me some Stone Temple Pilots, and I saw Shine Down over on the U.S. Cellular stage a few years back. My boyfriend proposed to me that night. Oh, she's got dot, 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 but I said no. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I'd rather listen to Shinedown. Don't bug me with a proposal, right? I don't need that. Who needs that? Who needs that? <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Wugnut says uh, ESPN firing the NBA analyst Jan, uh, uh, Jeff, not Jan, Jeff Van Gundy. Per sources, uh, did you like Van Gundy uh, on the broadcast? You know what? I, I did, but I can't get past him hanging on to Patrick Ewing's legs and being drugged across the floor from years gone by. You know, Jeff Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy. So I like Stan. Stan Van Gundy doing NBA games, I, I like when coaches or, or players, color analysts, give you insight and can tell you either why something happened or what's about to happen. That's the reason. And, I look, I know that, you know, um, they're not always right. Uh, we You know, every time an analyst says, yeah, this is about what's to happen because this guy's on a on – a, you know, on this particular pattern or a pick and roll or whatever, and then it doesn't happen. Everybody says, oh, see, that's the reason you're not working. You don't know what you're talking about. They know a lot more than you and I combined. They really do. 
but I love it when I learn something or I look for something or I can see something in a different light because that's what they gave me was that ability to see. Back in the day, uh, I mean, I credit a lot of my film study to, to Brian Noble. Brian Noble and I, uh, back when I first came to town uh, and I was working uh, on the Packers radio network, Brian Noble used to sit next to me in the press box, back in the old press box, back in the old you know, Lambeau Field. And he would sit here and, and, and lean over to me and tell me what was going to happen. He'd say, okay, look, this guy's going to come up. Here comes the safety. This is what they're doing. This is where they're going to go. This is what the guy is in motion. And 99.9% .9 of the time it came true. And I started looking for nuances. And then we would actually, you know, he had a, you know, an in. So we would actually get some of the back then videotape. But we would get the film and be able to look at it and watch it together. And he taught me so much on how to study film. That's what I like about analysts. If they can, if they can teach you something, if you're open-minded enough to just watch it and learn and also look at it as a big picture rather than as an individual, you can look at specific plays and players and things that are scripted and blocks and, and picks and, and, you know, where shots are going to be set up and passes and all that kind of stuff. But to, to watch it from like a, the – you know, all 22, the overhead view, kind of blur your eyes out and just watch the, the ants move, you know, which is what I kind of call it. If you watch them move, it's such an interesting and intriguing perspective if you're able to eventually do that. And he taught me how to study film. So that's that's where I got a lot of that. So uh, Chop Cheese says, yeah, ESPN just gave the Supermax to Pat McAfee. That's the reason everybody's gone. <laughs> Don't forget, they gave it to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, too. They paid them a buttload load of money just a year ago. I mean a buttload of money to be the, to be their uh, broadcast team. So you bet. 100% agree. 100% agree. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step out, take a quick break. you got School of Rock jamming the stage here at the Generac stage. And throughout the rest of the park, you got other acts that are going on. Uh, Summerfest is open. It is Friday, Saturday. Uh, no Sunday. Just do Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then again next week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And uh, a lot of good stuff coming up down here. Beautiful day down here on the Summerfest grounds. I know it got a little bit cloudy, but you still see some blue skies parting behind the clouds. It's a little bit hazy. Nice breeze from the south uh, southwest. So no lakefront breeze today and no smoke, which is even better. So come on down to Summerfest and enjoy a lot of the music, specifically here uh, later on this afternoon and tonight as uh, you've got to the boogie with the hoodie coming up uh, this weekend. You've got, uh, we were talking about the DJ that's going to be playing here a little bit later on today, the Orphan Poet today at 4 o'clock down here. So a lot of good music here in the Summerfest grounds. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up live down here from Summerfest in the Generac Power Bar. We'll be back right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. May I take your order? I'd like nine windows, please. Of course. All our products are custom made just for you. I'm hoping they'll match my home. Of course they can. Have it your way. Excuse me? We're talking about windows, right? Yes, we customize any decor. Our design options are virtually limitless, even more customized than your coffee. So you're like my personal barista for windows and doors. Exactly. And you couldn't have picked a better time because if you customize your order by August 31st, you can bundle and save big. Good deal. 
That was easy. Thank you. Drive through. Pella's premium wood windows and patio doors feature distinguished craftsmanship and nearly endless possibilities. Bundle and save when you customize your order by August 31st at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Visit PellaWI.com. We are live. We are at Summerfest on the Generac Power Bar pa uh, podium. Uh, not podium, but uh, uh, pavilion. Sorry about that. But just enjoying the day. My goodness. Good stuff down here. And uh, the gates opened a little while ago, almost an hour ago. And uh, you've got a volleyball demonstration coming up on the uh, sports uh, zone coming up a little bit later on today. Bands on all the stages. You've got the school. Of, the school of rock is interesting. Ebo's uh, back in the studio. Ebo, you you back there? Yes, sir. Bill, right here. So, do you know what the school of rock is? Um, I assume it's. Is it a bunch of the kids that uh, are performing and whatnot? Like, uh, like, yeah, like the it, movie it, with it, Jack Black. It's kind of yeah, but it is literally a school that teaches you music and the ability to interact with other people in bands and such. And you don't really rehearse with with like a specific band. You just play the music, cool. So you can interact with anybody. It was founded. If you're uh, familiar with uh, Yes, uh, frontman John Anderson. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the the lead uh, he, was, he was the lead singer. Takes him the roundabout. Yeah. Yep. And John Anderson started this thing, and uh, he was supposed to be here because we were kind of hoping we'd get him, uh, but he's not. He's not here today, unfortunately. He wasn't able to make it. But uh, anyway, long story short, is he founded the School of Rock. And he teaches kids stage presence and the music a bit. Like right now, they're, the, the girl that just got done singing, she got done singing, and then all new musicians jumped in. So, I, I heard the end of that. I mean, someone was playing Led Zeppelin. That was Zeppelin yeah. I just heard. Was that a band or was that? That's a band. Oh. It's, it's, it's a bunch of kids. I could hear like it in the background, and I thought it was the, uh, like the studio version. Like they were playing like a song over the loudspeaker, but that was an actual no. live performance. That sounded pretty good. Yeah. It's it's amazing. It's a bunch of kids, and I've never really – I mean, everybody's heard of the School of Rock, and like you say, the Jack Black movie and everything, you know. But I've never heard of this where it's like the, every lead singer gets like three songs, and after every song, the entire band changes. That's cool. And it's amazing. And, and these are all probably between the ages of 12 and – 16 years old. We need a bigger crowd out there cheering them on. Oh, man. my God. It's all these kids that are here, and they're just jamming. I mean, and, you know, there's a couple of them that are kind of Taylor Swift-ish. You know, they're kind of <laughs> a couple of the lead singers are coming here in sequin gowns and all that kind of stuff, you know. But, like, the girl that's up there right now was, like, when she was doing warm-up earlier today, she was singing, like, Mama Cass Elliot stuff. Damn. From, yeah, from the Mamas and the Papas years and years ago. And I know I'm dating myself, but they're so incredibly good. It's just it. I never knew this existed. I could sit here and watch them all day, because the enthusiasm and the stage presence and everything is amazing. Don't let that singer who's singing Mama Cass eat a ham sandwich. We don't want. <laughs> no. We want her sticking nor around. An, nor an Elvis fluffernutter either. That's, <laughs> find find her pants down on the crapper later on dead. Yeah, you don't want that either. So. Hey, how would you rather go a fluffernutter or a ham sandwich? I think I'd do the fluffernutter. I do the fluffernutter. It oh. would it put put it this way: it would give something people to talk about. I'm an Elvis you know? man, you know. Why not go like Elvis? Yeah. Man, you know? Yep, I would do that. I would do that, and I would be the I would be the uh, <laughs> later in life 
chunkier version of Elvis at this point. So. Yeah, but I, still, I, Bill, you got to get one of that old late in life Elvis, like the gold and white suit with the glasses. That would be. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Still, I, at least I still have my hair. You yeah, know, I mean, that's yeah. the thing. All my friends are all like I got a buddy of mine who had he had the ultimate Billy Ray Cyrus mullet, man. He had these long flowing sandy blonde hair locks and. This thick head of hair with this big, like almost like a pompadour type of swirl and whoosh and wave on the front. And he was so freaking cool and muscular. And now he's a tub of goo and he's bald as hell. And <laughs> yeah, every time I shot, and I'll show you the picture too, because used, we used to play softball. He was our center fielder. He had incredible wheels. And uh, I, you know, I still, uh, short of the porn mustache that I used to have, uh, I, I still at least got my hair and look relatively the same and yeah these guys come out and they're like hey how you doing i don't even recognize like, who are them. you yeah it's like dude you couldn't find your junk if you had to yeah. man it's stuck in your belly button <laughs> holy crap so yeah it's it's just wow so uh but anyway big yeah fear. that's kind of losing the yeah, hair exactly. losing the hair has got to be a big fear good thing i got a head of hair oh on yeah me, so. oh yeah i don't wish uh, any man june says uh the last time i was down there i saw prince thursday june 24th 2004, he had the new power generation. It was at the Marcus. What an incredible show. He played for almost three hours. June, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I saw, uh, who was it? Um, God, uh, ooh, I can't remember. It was, um, God, it was uh, God, uh, Clarence Clemens. Clarence Clemens. I saw Clarence Clemens down here one time, too. I, I've seen a lot of just walking around acts. Um, this one's from Chris, who said, uh, hey, Bill. I was down there one year, and I think it was Edwin McCain. Didn't you say you sang with him? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> Edwin McCain. I, and, and, God, I can't believe you remember that story. I did. I sang with Edwin McCain, believe it or not. His um, one song? It, yeah, his one song was I'll Be. Yeah, there it is. And it became huge, and, it, I mean, it just blew up. And at the time, uh, that was the last year, the last season of Seinfeld. So I was working. Uh, I, I was working at a bunch of different stations. Was our cluster, but the mix station, our mix station, um, had Edwin McCain come in, and he was hosting an after party. After, because remember, it was like Mash. It was like everybody in America got together for the end of Seinfeld parties, and so we all had a Thursday night. It was at uh, Spring Springdale Gardens, I think is what it was. It was like a restaurant place, and Edwin McCain was there. <laughs> And we started doing shots of Jaeger. And somewhere there's a recording of this. And we started doing shots of Jaeger during the show. And by the time it was time to go on stage, I was hammered. I mean, I was, I was gone. I'm not a Jaeger fan, but that night I was, I was mush. And I'll never forget because he does that thing at the end where he goes really high. That's the song. That's it. He Sing goes along, real Bill. High. Sing along, Bill. I couldn't if I wanted to. Give this man a shot at Jaeger so he can sing along. Oh, I do remember the words, though. And at the end of the song, he goes really high. He hits this high note. And I remember at that at that time, and, the, and you can hear it in the recording, I started to go really high with the note, high, and I started to get sick. And I went, ah. <laughs> you can hear it. <laughs> but that was his song, man. He was a pretty good singer, pretty good band. But that was that was the song. It was I'll Be. Yeah. He was our uh, he was our act for our uh, Seinfeld finale party that we had at Springdale Gardens. I'll never forget that. So, so to say, you saw Edwin McCain here. Oh my goodness! I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I, you know, I uh, Jason says saw uh, Sister Hazel, and that which Sister Hazel's good, obviously. 
So there you go. A lot of good stuff. A lot of everybody's got a lot of great, um, a lot of great memories down here. Uh, Marcus says, uh, "Hey, I'm right there with you. Buckwheat Zydeco was the best. I was supposed to go down the year he died. It was depressing to go to Summerfest and not see Buckwheat Zydeco on the stage. Yeah, he was supposed to play Summerfest and he got sick. And uh, next thing you know, he had passed away. So that was going to be my last hurrah to probably go see Buckwheat Zydeco. But I agree with you. Yeah, it was tough. It's like when you go to the State Fair, you got to see Herman's Hermits. I think they're still around. Right? Are they still alive? I, or is it just I, like a Herman? Like all I hope dead, so." They, they're all dead. They just stuffed them. They're just put a stick in their there ass. They're standing fair. on stage, <laughs> and they just put ha- play happy together over and over and over. You know. So, <laughs> did I ever tell you about the time I saw Paul Revere and the Raiders? No. At State Fair. <laughs> no. Oh my God! My first year, my buddy Jim Lombardo from Bell Ambulance. He's like, "Come on, I got, I got tickets. Let's go backstage." So, it was, it wasn't even in the big stage. It was on like the Cousin Sub Theater, whatever it's called. But to watch. And, again, these guys were way past their prime, but they still dressed like the Pirates. To watch a bunch of old dudes with guts over their junk in spandex <laughs> jumping around is like, oh, my God, nobody should see this. It's like, what has that guy got in his pants? It's like it's like he sat on bubble gum. What the hell is that? You know, so, it, just, it was so bad. I'm happy to report Herman's Hermits are still active presently. They're still alive. 1964 to present. And they're they're going to be playing Saturday night at the Wisconsin State Fair. Come on down. Oh, my God. Next to the porta uh, potties right, 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 just in case they have to hurl uh, or pee themselves. They're not wearing poisy pads. Let's do this. We're going to step out. We're going to take a quick break. We are live. We're at Summerfest on the Generac uh, Power Bar Pavilion and having a fun time. Walking down memory lane with a lot of you. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff we got a lot more coming up right after this. Stay tuned.